If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 40. If you were following along in chapter 39, chapter 39 was kind of a hard book to read, a hard chapter to read, because it had to do with the innocence of Joseph being punished. Now, if you've lived long enough, you've been around the block a few times, if, if you've been in the workplace or in school or whatever the case may be, if you were completely clear of something and yet blamed for something you didn't do and punished for it, well, then you can relate to Joseph and what's going on here. But unfortunately, in Joseph's case, this was due to a lot more of a harsher punishment in some cases. But what we had here was Joseph, who was brought over to Egypt and purchased by this man named Potiphar as, as, a, as a house uh, slave, if you will. But he was put in charge of everything. Joseph, this young man, really seemed to be quite, a, uh, um, quite an extraordinary guy. He showed great potential in everything. And, and of course, a couple chapters back, or that chapter before, it even stated Joseph's physical presence, that he was a very good-looking young man. And so the situation that he was put in, as he was brought into Potiphar's house and he was put in charge of everything, Potiphar's wife seemed to have a physical attraction to Joseph and was trying to entice him to have uh, inappropriate relations with her. Well, Joseph being the man of God that he was, a man of integrity, a man of morals and values, refused on a couple of different occasions. Well, she caught up with him in the house and, and basically tried to pursue him physically. And he decided to do the right thing, which was run away. But she grabbed hold of a garment and kept his garment there. And then she basically set him up. When the other servants of the house came, and, and basically she had his garment in hand and said that this Hebrew man took advantage of me and made a mockery of us. And so unfortunately Potiphar had no other choice but to put him in prison. And we got to, again, we got to remember the culture of the days and the ways of the people. The women back then, too, in the Egyptian culture could be very um, immoral at times. I'm sure Potiphar had an idea that, that his wife was probably up to something. Because working with Joseph long enough, this young man, he had to have thought to himself, how could this be? Considering, too, that Joseph, we got to look at the truth here, Joseph was most likely 18 years old around there at this time, most likely. And at this time, again, his hormones were, were at, at the highest peak. And most any other people probably would have taken uh, advantage of the situation or of the request. But Joseph fleed. Joseph didn't just look at the fact that I'm, this isn't right for the sake of Potiphar. I'm not going to defile my God. So Joseph was put in prison. And at that time, he was put in prison, and he and he had a couple of other people there with him, as we're going to see. <laughs> and and so Joseph, though, as he was put in prison, what's what's interesting was is the keeper of the prison put him in charge. So it seemed like everywhere Joseph went within the Egyptian, um, within the Egyptian empire over there where he was at, he was put in positions of authority, because God had His hand on him. Joseph was obviously born to be put in authority of sorts. A natural born leader. The dreams given to him were just that. When his father, Jacob, gave him this coat of, of many colors. 
And it was a long coat, which represented basically the fact that he was like wearing a king's robe if he would be in charge. And that he, he had the dreams that he was going to be basically the head of the family. When his brothers thought they'd go ahead and uh, uh, do away with that, well, God's plans went ahead and interceded. So as we continue, we will see how things are going to continue to work for Joseph. What may seem uh, bad or harsh to other people, uh, God's plan, again, is not always our plan. And so we're going to see the faith involved. We're going to see... We're going to see God's hand involved in the abilities that he gave to Joseph and how God will use those abilities for, for the advantage of Joseph. So let's take a look. If you have, a, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in chapter 40. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 to start. And it said, And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. So Joseph, as he was in prison, uh, a couple of other pharaohs, high-positioned people, got thrown in there with Joseph, uh, the butler and the baker. So the butler would have most likely dealt with uh, the wine or the beverages of Pharaoh. Uh, now, Egyptians, though, the difference between them was um, the Egyptians were very... Um, they were actually the, the first ones to ever create beer. Uh, so wine may not have been used uh, much in their area. So they, they were probably the original beer drinkers of that time, and but wine as well. So it very well could have been either one of the two. But the same factor was as there was cupbearers involved. The baker was in charge of his food, obviously, and we do we do not know what these two did to end up in there. Okay, because again, most kingdoms had cupbearers that would taste the food and the drink and the wine uh, before the king ate it to make sure that it, that nothing was poisoned in it. So there was a, there could have possibly been a plot to murder him, or they could have made a simple mistake, uh, which if Pharaoh was in a bad mood that day, it could have come to that even. We, we really don't know, but what's obvious is that God once again placed them in there with Joseph. And of all things, Joseph was in a good position. Joseph was accused of taking advantage of Potiphar's wife, as I said earlier, but yet Potiphar put Joseph in the in the uh, position in the prison. Perhaps Potiphar didn't believe the accusations of his wife, but put him in there for the sake of keeping peace in his household. But you know what we had was three of the most trusted men in their positions in jail together by what will be again a divine appointment by God's hand. You know they were there to meet someone special and not by position but by spirituality. And what we're going to see was that he, he was in there, as he, as he was in there in charge, he was showing his heart as being a servant to these guys in need. And again, often it was Joseph who, com, uh, who was compared to in the life of Christ, who was despised and persecuted, yet still served those who did the persecuting. Uh, observing the life of Joseph is encouraging, and not so much because of the blessings, but because of his faithful heart and demeanor to God and those put in his path. 
See, it's common to look for the blessed aftermath of things, right? For the blessed aftermath. But we miss the mark on everyday life and demeanor of the ones in the trial. Uh, personally, I've always admired those things. And Lord willing, I'll be there one day as, as growth continues myself. So let's see how he was being used here in verse 5. Um, as he was approached by these guys, as we look at verses 5 through 8. And then it says, Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. And both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in uh, to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Well, tell them to me, please. So we see again Joseph's heart in this wonderful place. You know, he's in the position of, of harsh circumstances, but yet he checks up on the butler and the baker. And, and he notices their outlook. And we could see that he wasn't about his own self, but he showed concern for his fellow prisoners. And then second, what he said was absolutely true, though. Do, do not interpretations belong to God? Which was the question. Uh, Joseph had some experience in this, as it was a dream on what was spoken to him about his own future. And Joseph knew that if anyone would have answers, it would be God. His own brothers mocked him when they seen him coming. If you remember uh, a few chapters back, his brothers went out to, to go take care of some business and, and their father, Jacob, sent him to go over there and meet up with them. So he went such a long distance. And, and somehow he was able to come to the field where they were at, close to 100 miles from their home. Well, when the group were there, they saw him. And their response to one another was, look, here, here comes that dreamer. Which is what they were calling their own brother. They were mocking him because they didn't like the dream that he was going to be in charge of the family. So, they, look, here comes the dreamer. Let's go ahead and kill him. So, relying on God for this is a must. You know, his dreams can come from sources unwanted as well. But lots of biblical, uh, biblical scripture shows that. Uh, they were also well known in ancient literature amongst Egyptian beliefs and reports in regards to dreams, which was an indication of relying on that of dreams as of a form of what was to come in someone's life. And, and they had specialists that were uh, used to interpret, just like Israel had uh, pro uh, prophets. And, and we have, you know, today we have psychology today that takes a crack at telling people what a dream may or may not mean. And Joseph had confidence in the ability God gave him to interpret what they had seen. Uh, one of the hardest things for someone in life is to not know what is what in life. The, the fear of the unknown. Which is why throughout the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament prophets were referred to as seers. Ones who could uh, properly interpret a vision that God had given to. And we've heard people say things like, well, you're dreaming if you think that that's going to happen or, or, uh, or come to you in this way. And we have to watch out. As, as books in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and we have Jeremiah chapter 23, those have warned about false prophecies and dreams that go with them. 
Uh, but when it comes to God, there's another saying that we can lean on. That, it's, that dreams do come true. <laughs> and, and what Joseph and any true follower of God is looking for is not that of dreams or even signs, but simply that of seeking God's will. You know, dreams and signs are simply just ways that God used as a form of communicating uh, when it was his will and way of making himself known, especially to those who were following him closely. We know that there was numerous occasions throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, where God utilized the dreams. If you're familiar with the Gospels, when when the Virgin Mary was was to have um, when she was to give birth to the Messiah, you know the angel came to her. The angel Gabriel came to her to tell her in person what was going to happen. And when she was with with the child with the Lord, Joseph didn't believe it, so he was going to quietly divorce her. But then, in a deep sleep, the Lord, the angel, spoke to him as well in a dream. And so, by that dream, Joseph was communicated to and carried on with the task. Uh, Perhaps maybe you've read the book of Daniel. You know, there was dreams involved there as well in the Babylonian culture there. And it was there was very similar things that they would have wise men and and so on and so forth to, to be there to interpret these things. And so dreams are used by God, but dreams can also be used by the enemy. And so again, we must be careful with, with the things that we, uh, that we associate with within our minds, within the things we look at, because we, we are affected by things. We can be, we can be affected and, and have an open door for the enemy to use. But you see, with, with Joseph, he was so close with the Lord that the Lord was speaking to him directly. And, and Joseph is able to, to utilize this gift of the interpretation of the dreams. So let's take a look here at verses 9 to 15. And, and then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. And it was as though it it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. And then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within the three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon." So as I mentioned earlier, you know, God gives the interpretations to, uh, to these things. After reading what the butler said in regards to these things, I would uh, I would have just stru- uh, shrugged my shoulders and said, you got me. That's a pretty wild dream there. So they at times affect us in many ways when we dream and especially when they make no sense, you know, whatsoever to us. But God is a perfect matchmaker by putting the right people together at the right time. 
looking at the scenario God was speaking to the butler in, in a term that he could relate to. The vine branches with grapes as a sign to the butler who served Pharaoh the wine. Uh, Joseph was obviously spoken to by God. Uh, by the three branches that showed three days he would be released. Now by saying this, it would prove his abilities as one who hears from God and not just another dream interpreter that was part of the Egyptian culture. Who most likely told you whatever that he wanted or whatever he could conjure up. But, you see, the butler would know by then that he was right. And, and that he would vouch for Joseph as one who was special and did not belong in there. It, it was beyond personal wisdom, is what will be seen, which makes it more spiritual, spiritual amongst a, a pagan. Where we did see personal wisdom was after it said... And done, will you say a good word for me, for my release? You know, God allowed the appointment between the, these men and him. The demeanor of Joseph with the abilities of the interpretation would be what spoke volumes. What is it inside of him that allows him to be joyous? And, and ask us, why, we're so, why are we sad while in this Egyptian prison? While our prestigious positions are, are now being filled by someone else while we're in here. You know, it's funny. I've heard that there was a German philosopher who said in regards to God and Christianity. And it was said, that, uh, show me your redeemed life. And I just may be interested in your redeemer. And Joseph was a great role model of that remark. And was used to do that in the Egyptian empire. You know, show me your redeemed life, and I would probably be interested in your redeemer. You know, people want to see results. They, they want to see results in, in, in where our light comes from. They want to know where the power source comes from. And so God put the, put the timing in place for Joseph and the butler here. Now for the baker. <laughs> We're going to have to take a look here at verse 16 to 23. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, Well, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker amongst his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. That's unfortunately the end of chapter 40 there. But again, keep reading with us because it gets good. Unfortunately for the baker, it looks as if the baker was guilty of something. But Joseph had to interpret it for what it was. From the good news to the harshest. You know, which, which always made good prophets. It always made good teachers of the word of God because they explained it with accuracy. And Joseph turned out to be 100% right. But unfortunately, the butler forgot about him and went on his merry way. You know, unfortunately, Joseph will spend another two years in, in the Pharaoh's prison. 
And we don't know how long he's been in there at this point, but long enough for an innocent man. You know, what's interesting about the, the dreams from the baker and the butler was it, it was in terms of, of bread and wine. And this is the same thing that we see in the Last Supper with our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. We, we celebrate it as communion. You know, but Jesus spent, you know, 30 years preparing for his time in ministry to reveal himself to the world. And time was of the essence in God's plan, because the plan so far from Joseph's aspect would be uh, in the nation of Israel in God's mind here. But Joseph was going to play a role in that, but had to go through some emotional turmoil during the process. But you see, at the end of any message, I always bring up the emphasis of Christ. As God uh, uses Joseph with Israel in mind, Christ was revealed with the world in mind. It is such a blessing to see the love of Christ alive today, 2,000 years after his death. I can't speak of anybody else that has had an influence, that has made an influence in that of our Lord and Savior Millions upon millions who, who have received him and, and follow him and love him because they know he exists. They know his power and they know that he, that he loved the, everyone and died for everyone and gave the opportunity for anyone who wants to receive him to receive eternal life. That's why he came. To, to receive that everlasting life. You know, it, it, personally, to see responses of people that I hear from, fr from areas on the other side of the world, show love and praise to Christ, you know, for me, that is an absolute joy to see. To, to see and hear from the people from different countries and so on and so forth that, that Christ would have never been known of if it weren't for the word of God if it weren't for the missionaries that went over there to plant the seeds and, and for those other churches and pastors that helped water but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that allowed for the growth process to happen and, and God's plan was happening through so many different aspects you know, we take a look at Joseph, Joseph's life and his, you know, the life and the comparison was so close to that, you know, between, between Joseph and our Lord Jesus. Such, such a parallel, except for the fact that, yeah, you know, Joseph was a, a young man of integrity. Christ was perfect, sinless. But yet he still suffered more so than Joseph ever would have. But, you know, Christ again, outdoes all he outdoes all things all people and so God just used Joseph here God God used Joseph as a role model an example and I am so glad to have seen these things because again God's word is living and active thousands of years even after the time when these things and the, account, the accounts were written so again the personal the personal joy on my end to see people involved in God's word and to see people involved in the, in the service of the Lord is such a joy because it's really the only thing that's going to matter in the end. And I think Joseph realized that. 
Joseph realized that even though his situation and his, his position was not exactly ideal, he knew where he was going to be in the end, which was in the presence of God, regardless of what was to happen. But again, God's always active in our, in our lives. And as I, t- as I mentioned Christ before, it was his life and his death that paved the road to God. As John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe would have everlasting life. So again, the word whosoever, that whosoever should believe. The question is, is are you that whosoever? And as always... I saved the best for last. <laughs> and that is the receiving of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. The prayer of faith that, that brings you into a relationship with Christ and opens the door for eternal salvation. It is such a blessing to know that, that you're in the Word and hearing the Word being taught for what it's saying. Not for what I want it to say, but simply for what God wanted it to say. And that is always such a joy and a blessing to to know that you that you want that that you want to hear that and see that. But the last thing anybody needs is to hear to hear that and to not know how to receive the salvation. See, Joseph is going to be received into God's hand one day. And the reason why he was received into God's hand is because he was of God. And there is one thing in common that you could have with Joseph and everyone else in the Bible is you can be received by God too if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior as His Word says. As if I just read in John 3.16 that whoever should believe will have everlasting life. Now it's time to receive that everlasting life. And by doing that you could say this prayer after me. If you feel led to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, repeat after me, Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to receive me into your kingdom, Lord. And Father, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and my Father and my Savior. And I thank you for having me, Lord. And may I be close to you all of my days. And may you guide me and protect me. As I thank you for having me now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you've said that prayer, I want to encourage you to get grounded in God's Word and to be fellowshipping with others. And remember, it's always Him that's going to lead you into that path. So I want to welcome you into the family of our Lord. And I pray that you will seek Him always, as He's been seeking you. May God bless you.